Jim Fan, your reaction to Ginnabrick getting a much-needed shave? Um, I don't think it added to anything. It was kind of like whatever. I think the <laughs> it was point kind of, of like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Talking Beasts from NarniaWeb.com, where we explore the world of C.S. Lewis and keep a watchful eye on the latest Narnia movie news. This is Talking Beasts. And welcome back, everybody. This is Glumpuddle. And I'm Jim Fan. And this is Rillian. And today we're going to take a nostalgic walk down memory lane. And some of us, we, we all feel old, and at least one of us feels a little sick, but is joining us anyway. So, Rillian, thank you, despite having the COVID. Thank you very much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Although I don't feel sick anymore, uh, but I still don't have my taste and smell. I have like probably half of it. I got all of it back last night in about two hours, and then... I lost it again when I woke up, or, or probably mo- a fair bit of it. So it's just kind of it's kind of weird. But yeah, I'm sequestered in my house, and uh, but I can still I can still uh, do a podcast, so that's good. So we can press on. Um, all right. So uh, yes, we're uh, commemorating 15 years after the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe theatrical release. A fun topic would be to take a look at the extended edition of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which was released on DVD just a year after the movie hit theaters. I moved recently, and that was one of the things I came across as I was moving. Like, I almost forgot I had the extended cut. Um, I, I kept it around mainly for the extras, but, um, you know, I posted a poll in the Talking Beast Facebook group just to, just to kind of get a sense of, um, hey, is this something that is still on people's radars? It's, as far as the general public goes, it's not. It, it did not even get a, a Blu-ray release. So as far as the general public goes, it has faded into obscurity. Yeah. But as far as um, as far as you know, Narnie Webbers and the fan base goes, so I posted a poll in the Talking Beast Facebook group, and so a big thank you to uh, Rees, RJ, Cody, Gabriel, Michelle, Kaysen, Jonathan, Berkeley, Jan, Matt, Daniel, Bartek, and Samuel, um, and others uh, for voting, and basically. Most of them had seen it, and what's interesting is about half of the people that said yes, they've seen the extended cut of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, about half said, I've seen it, but you know I don't really watch it anymore, basically. I watched the theatrical cut, and the other half said, I've seen it, and in fact, that's what I watch. when I that, That's the movie for me. When I put on The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, that's the version I put on. Huh. So I, my, my guess is that if we open that this poll up to not just our listeners, but Arnie Webers in general, we would see a surprisingly large percentage that are only vaguely aware that it even exists uh, or haven't seen it in a very long time because it's just faded into obscurity so quickly. Well, especially with these days where people will watch, they'll stream things online. Uh I own the movies digitally and it's it's just more convenient to just, you know, you know, tell Siri, let's watch Lion, the Wind's the Wardrobe than to go dig out the DVD. Right. Right. Well, I'm pretty sure I've only ever seen the extended edition twice. Once was when it first came out. Second time was this morning. Wow! So did you watch? Did, <laughs> did you watch it all the way through? Uh, yes, I did. Well, oh. watch it. I I use that term loosely Golf because class. I was also like doing dishes and eating and stuff. Oh, but I had that kind of says how engaged the Narnie Web community is. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly a glowing review for the extended cut, is it? Um, well, we'll get into that. You also claimed that you liked the Don Treader movie for a while, but then you didn't take the Blu-ray out of the shrink wrap for like two years or something. Pretty sure it's still in the shrink wrap. I'm not even sure. I never <laughs> right even where it belongs. But again, it's like real sad. Like 
we all have digital copies of everything now. So, and, or maybe I bought I bought the Blu-ray version, but I already had the digital version, so I just never opened it. I have no so idea. Wait, spe- speaking of feeling old, wait, am I the only one here that like when I watch the movie, I watch it. On, if I'm going to watch the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I'm going to pull out that physical Blu-ray disc and watch it. That's how I do it. Like ninety percent, ninety percent of the time. No, I don't have a Blu-ray disc. I don't own a DVD player. I oh had to commandeer the my roommate's DVD player this morning so I could watch the extended edition. Um, like that's how little I use DVDs. Wow. Okay. Um, so I wanted to start with um, there, there's going to be this temptation to talk about to constantly compare this to the Lord of the Rings throughout this discussion, uh-huh. and to keep that from constantly happening, we're going to save that for the post show chatter. So if you're a Patreon supporter. Click the link in the description, and we're going to keep the mics going after this episode and get out of our system and talk a little bit about the Lord of the Rings extended cuts and compare this to that. Um, when I imagine, when I think about the initial fan reaction to the ex- the extended cut, I think I sensed this at the time, but now it's very clear, looking back in retrospect, it was an early sign that the franchise was in trouble. That even though several months before, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe had grossed $700 million, was well-received, won an Oscar that all was not well in the land of Narnia. The fact I don't that, know if that's true, though. I, I kind of disagree with that. And here's, here's the fact that it was, let me explain, that it was announced and they was like, well, I don't know, maybe I'll watch it, maybe I'll rent it, I don't know, that there was such so little interest that it was like, okay, the clearly, if Narnia Webbers, if like fans are have this very lukewarm, I don't know, we'll see this other version, then the general public, of course, will have no interest at all. I thought it's like that's a reflection on how excited are people in general for the next Narnia movie. It was an early sign that people are not jumping up and down it, anticipating the next Narnia movie. And Walden and Disney proceeded with Prince Caspian under the assumption that there was lots of anticipation, so they had a huge budget, very competitive release date, so on and so forth, and that's and that false perception of what audiences were anticipating uh, is what led to Prince Caspian's downfall and thus the downfall of the series. Well, I think, and, and we'll discuss some more of this in, with the, in the end segment with the pay, for the Lord of the Rings extended cut, but because these books, just being what they are, like, for example, if, if uh, you know, the, a bunch of the directors for the Harry Potter movies said, hey, we're going to do an extended cut where it's like, each movie will say eight minutes extra, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think you would see a lot of people flipping out. I just really don't. Even though I don't think you could have, and to my knowledge, they didn't do extended cuts. They, they included like deleted scenes in the DVDs for the Harry Potter movies. But I don't think that you could have used that to say, huh, there's not a whole lot of people super excited about a Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone extended cut. I, Boy, I bet that. I wonder if this movie series is in trouble because I, I think it's just a different beast uh, coming from these books that are shorter than some of the other material. And and this isn't even getting into the idea of like alternate cuts, like you know, like, like the Snyder cut phenomenon that's really been kind of unique uh, in some ways, or or you know, even really Scott's different cuts for Blade Runner. Um, so I think that I don't know that that would really be a very good metric in this particular case. I mean, I kind of hear you, but again, because like, for example, if, um, if the discussion with a professor had been cut, which it could have been, it's been cut, you know, 
you can do an it basically it was cut it. down yeah you anyway. could, if it was like an hour and a half long movie where the discussion with the professor was cut out or you know and, and father christmas was cut out and a number of maybe almost the entire care paravel sequence was cut out then yeah i could see uh, a lot more interest but just but being are- what it was i don't know that it really mattered as much in in this case there 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 are still some notable very notable things in the book that did not make it into the theatrical cut like uh the arrival of spring is so quick and the celebration about the statues being restored basically all of chapter 16 which is the real climax of the book is like 5 seconds in the theatrical cut um so there are some very uh notable things you know that potentially and then of course there was some some things we saw in the trailer like the dancing scene which did not make it into the extended cut but we didn't know that at the time because they didn't have time to finish the visual effects so we didn't know it was not going to be in there but just initially when it was when it was announced that's all we knew there's going to be an extended cut i was surprised there wasn't more interest uh in it and more excitement about it and because of that i'll admit if you look back on my comments from you know 14 years ago as the extended cut is coming out i was very excited because I was like willing people to get excited, like, "Come on, guys! This could be the start of a seven-movie <laughs> franchise. Come on, we should all be excited for this stuff." And oh, how little and we so, knew! Right. And, well, now I look back on it now, like, okay, I guess everybody had the correct reaction. Um, but I understand what you're saying—that not every single uh, movie is screaming for an extended cut the way something like Lord of the Rings is. I was going to say, like, I think that's pretty much it. Where it's not that extended cuts in in and of themselves are indicators of like a strong fan base it's just more Mm -hmm. like there was no need for that for this film like i think Mm -hmm. for us as fans of course there's things that we would have loved to see in the movie but the thing was they just never got filmed to begin with so it was Mm -hmm. kind of like we didn't we we didn't necessarily know that though well i think we did though yeah i agree with jim fan i think we had a pretty good idea that we knew that because think about it what 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 key scenes did we know were filmed that are big pivotal moments that we knew did not make it into. We did like, did we know they did not film more of the rejoice, more statues being restored and giant rumble buff and knocking down the gate. Did we know for sure they didn't film that or, or more arrival of spring acknowledgement or more build up for Aslan. Um, But a lot of that's very nuanced, important, but more nuanced stuff. Again, like, like for example, we knew that, uh, we had a that Father Christmas was cast, and that there were we like we saw photos of Father Christmas, and people were like that was one of the, the fun nerd moments. Oh, there's Father Christmas, you know these cool things, or all these things in the trailers that we were seeing. And then if we'd seen the movie, like oh my goodness, they they decided because you could edit the movie and just cut out the professor. You could you could just keep the professor completely out of the movie if you really wanted mm-hmm. to. Uh, you could cut Father Christmas out if you really wanted to. Um. And then, oh, well, they they just got their weapons, you know. Or, oh, yeah, now Susan has a bow. She's training now, you know. You could have cut those things out. Um, but, again, if those th- – so if we watched the movie and, like, oh, my goodness, look at all – there's all these things that just didn't make it in there, there would have been a lot more reaction. But just the movie being what it was – it was a two-and-a-half-hour movie, I think. And, you know, the book being what it was, I think that that, that – because with – the final product we saw in theaters, we we're kind of, oh, well, this is, for the most part, I'm not going to diminish some of the great things that were part of this extended cut, but a lot of those things were extended, not really new. 
I mean, it broke my heart not to have more. Uh, that's literally the entire chapter. Chapter 16 in Line the Witch and the Orange is just restoring the statues and giant Rumble Buffin and us lions and, and all that and great stuff. I think stuff. that's part of my expectation was I was expecting extended scenes. I wasn't really expecting new scenes. And you were right. But uh, so let's take a look at some of the not all of the scenes because most of the scenes are just every like, single one. Yeah, every, every no, <laughs> every single five second scene. Yeah, by my by my count, there's 19 editions, and all, some of them are just a few seconds. The longest one I think is about 40 seconds. Um, so it is just little bits here and there. There's one or two lines of dialogue that's been added. It's not like you know that other fantasy franchise where it's like whole subplots <laughs> and whole giant character beats are here. And the it, fantasy it, the, franchise it, that shall not be named, of course not. And the <laughs> and the, and the new scenes total eight minutes. Um, yeah. I you know one thing that I thought was really interesting rewatching the movie this morning. Um, and granted, some of this is like because I haven't seen Lion Witch in the Wardrobe in quite some time but i'm also i i like to think i'm extremely familiar with like like the every almost every frame of that film because i was that crazy person who literally went in and screenshotted frames <laughs> for uh like you know fan art and stuff spareoom.net yeah i i so i'm very familiar with it um but, you know, time passes, you become less familiar, and then you're watching the extended edition, which is the version you're very familiar with, but with some extra beats thrown in there. And I realized that there was a couple times where I was kind of questioning myself. I was like, wait, was this? I can't remember <laughs> if new? this little bit was in there originally or if this is the new part. And I had to think about it for some things. Like some things were very obvious. It's like, okay, that. That wasn't in there. But then other things, like tiny little bits, like in the train scene at the very beginning, there was some shots in yeah, there that I was yeah. like, okay, I I don't think those were in the original, but like they 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 don't look out of place, you know? So I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. In certain parts, a lot of it, I think the new scenes are not integrated very well into the movie. The, 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 the music yeah. is usually the giveaway. Well, they'll just like loop the music over that, and over. That's my biggest complaint with this is yeah. the music was not rescored. And for someone like me who, especially if you, you know, I guess I own the musical score and I've mm-hmm. listened to it yep. a gazillion times. And, uh, and even just listening, I was like, okay, they're looping the musical score. All right, well, let's take a look at uh, just a handful of some of the most, uh, what we think are the most notable uh, additions to this extended cut. Um, so, Jim Fan, I saw that you added, just before we started recording, you added to the outline, there's a, a, a scene when the Pevensies, well, they're all on the train uh, during the opening credits, um, and Lucy has a toy dog. That They're in the, they're in the uh, compartment, you know, in the train. Lucy has a toy dog, and she kind of shows it to Edmund, like, come on, play, play, and he kind of takes it looks at it for a second then he hands the toy dog to the like he's totally not interested jerk to the kids just gives it away Lucy's toy dog like the first clue this kid is evil he just gives away her toy oh Edmund's in the house Slytherin I see (laughs) hands the dog to the people uh, across from them So anyway, Jim Fan, what'd you think of the scene, and why'd you why'd you want to talk about it? Oh, I just added it in there because it w- it made me think. First of all, it was again what kind of what I was talking about earlier about there's some s- spots at the beginning of the film where there was little added tiny f- scenes, tiny frames, tiny shots um, that just kind of 
we're all part of it. And on the train, it kind of continued. And I remember watching a little bit with the the stuffed toy and I had to think about it. And I was like, this, oh yeah, this wasn't in the original. And then I remembered that um, it was something that we kind of expected in the extended because we had a noticed. Photo, there's a photo of it. Right. And also we had noticed in the f- original cut that Lucy starts off the day with a toy and she ends the day without a toy. So we're like, okay, obviously something oh, happens, right. but we didn't get that in the theatrical cut. So I think that little bit we were kind of expecting, but it was... So Edmund was literally cute. gave it away and then they just kept it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure you can see the little boy leave with it outside the window. Oh, interesting. Oh, I, I'm going to go back and check that. Wow. What happened? Netflix, create a little subplot. Tell us what happened to that toy dog. The, the, the no, people must no, know. Please don't. No. <laughs> oh, sorry. We shouldn't joke about that stuff. Hashtag April um, Fools. <laughs> Apparently, some people don't know what that means. On a positive note, what this does tell me for, I mean, kind of like you were kind of joking about it, really, but like, oh, yeah, this is an early sign that Edmund is obviously the bad guy. He's got problems. But I will say, <laughs> to me, the fact that Lucy was like, hey, come on, play, and she seemed surprised, and Edmund didn't want to play. Um, tells me that, oh, maybe this is something that has very recently started to happen, that Edmund, only in the past few months or so, but probably ever since their father left for the war, that's when he started um, deciding he wanted to be in Slytherin or whatever is going on. That's when he start- <laughs> well, honestly, I think it's really more, it just shows the effects of living in wartime London has, that has, like the effect of that that's been having on all of the kids um, you know, for Susan, it's she's been more kind of what's the word like bossy because she she's trying to be like her mom. She's trying to take care of people. And Peter's trying to be like dad, also take care of the siblings. And Edmund is just really acting out because of the, you know, his dad being away and everything. So I think like you see that kind of play out in all of the kids i'm just gonna say if this is your first episode ever listening to yes it is normal to spend five minutes on a two <laughs> second clip that was added well, that's, to what, that's what these all are <laughs> um, i really am not reading that much into that one scene i mean it's kind of making me a slytherin joke i mean it's kind of i don't know it's, it's kind of a nice moment i, I think that I don't think it really works, honestly. No, I, like, I think it kind of takes you out. Yeah, I think a lot of it is that it's just it's kind of awkwardly performed, and it's slow, and Edmund slowly passes the dog well, over. No, I, I, I just, still look at it, like, the why momentum. is he just giving away his sister's dog to this kid? It just seems kind of odd. Maybe it made sense on paper, and then they tried it out, and, ah, it doesn't work. Take it out. Yeah. It kills the momentum. Um, yeah. But I, I think the most notable addition here, um, or the one I remember the most clearly when I think about the extended cut, is the extended arrival of spring. Um, Because obviously in the book, that's one of the most notable parts of the book, if not the series, is Lewis has several pages of uh, really lyrical writing talking about how, how, what the kids were seeing and feeling as finally uh, the snow starts to melt and the arrival of spring, it happens so quickly. Um, And in the theatrical cut, it's like it's literally one cut. It goes from there's the kids soaking wet, you know, from the frozen river with then snow cut. everywhere, and then yep, it gets cut. cuts to the witch. All the snow's gone immediately. It's like what? How could you do that? And now at least we we still don't have anything that 
matches Lewis's words, but there are four more shots where, again, it's not like, oh, the snow is slowly melting. It's just four shots showing, oh, look, it's spring, it's green. So more time is spent on this version just to acknowledge, hey, the snow's gone, and it's only about four shots before it moves on. So And, and you get to show off, like, Pretty Narnia, which I liked. It, yeah. It's sad uh-huh. that a 30-second clip is so memorable because it speaks to <laughs> my... No, literally, when I, when I watch the extended edition, the, the things that jump out at me, I, I think, what, what do I wish they had done differently with theatrical... I I really wish there had been just a little more patience on, and I don't know if it's a, a director thing, an editor thing, because um, they have different kind of signatures, you know, and in, in their marks on the film. Um, and I understand it. You know, there's probably an attitude of, hey, this is a, you know, those young kids, we got to you know keep it moving, keep it moving. Don't 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 let it drag because no one likes to get read a review where it drags, you know. And but, this is the scene where it's all about look, the good guys are winning. They don't want to yeah. spend too much time on that, right? Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's. I think that if there were just again, because and it's emphasized because this is these aren't new scenes; these are just extended scenes. Just yeah. let the. I, I was watching this like just let the audience ponder just a little bit more, and I think that part of this is. You know, these are old books and people are kind of familiar with it. But you think, okay, why not? Like when when spring is just melting away, emphasize that, hey, in like a day. Yeah, I, I think if if this had been the theatrical cut with these four additional shots, I think I still, I would have been saying I was really, oh, I was just so disappointed with the arrival of spring. It was sent so quickly and oh, it, there's not, and you look at, read the book and the writing is so memorable and lovely and mm-hmm. really that's all they did but because i had i had you know a year to have the theatrical yep. cut in front of me where it was just one cut it was such a relief to just have it even acknowledged i remember saying wow the extended cut is worth it just because of the extended arrival of spring because it was such a relief yeah. to have something but now i look back on it having calmed down and like okay it's a little better but it's still the same basic problem of it's such a major story well, point that's not book, you have two scenes that really emphasize it you have not just the moments where they cast off their coats, but you have Father Christmas and then you have the feast uh-huh. that the witch stumbles across and the they whole really, conversation yeah. with, yeah. You know, and, uh, and then they all get turned into stone and, and, yeah. and you have those moments that are like dialogue driven. Right. And in mm-hmm. the movie, they opted for kind of a Father Christmas dialogue scene, but really the emphasis was on the melting river action scene. And Jim Fan, there was some. There was a particular shot you wanted to talk about. I think. Yeah, it was the one towards the end. It just made me think. Like, there's a lot of bits in this extended cut where you can tell that they they added in um, special effects for it. Like a lot in the battle yeah. that we'll talk about in oh, a yeah. few minutes. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of mm-hmm. new special effects, which is maybe one reason why it wasn't in the original cut because it was just like, okay, this is going to take too long, or when they did ended up when they did end up doing it in the extended cut it just it the special effects are just not as good but there was this one little beat one tiny beat at the end of the extended um arrival of spring scene where it, just the way the the shot was framed and the way you see Lucy looking at this little pond i'm like there is supposed to be a dryad in that pond i will bet my life on it 
Like uh-huh. there's so, supposed yeah. to be something in that pond, I know, but we, I you they didn't. They just didn't add it in just for money time reasons or whatever. Yeah, maybe I actually saw it as because that is sort of a transitional element from because the very next scene is the white witch looking at the frozen waterfall. And so I kind of saw it as a trend. If you look at the very the very next shot after that, what you're thinking of, or Lucy's looking at the pond, the very next shot is the white witch looking down. It almost looks like she's looking down at Lucy. So I kind of saw that as a trans, just a transitional way to move the story along. Um, but you could be right. It could be there was, I was supposed, just like, supposed just to be something there. The way the shot there. was framed, I was like, the way that my attention is being directed is not where the action is actually happening if that makes yeah. sense it, it, it wouldn't surprise me to learn that you're right because yeah because it, it's there, there's a sense of okay we've got these bits and pieces what can we do with them and maybe it wasn't necessarily the original intent but enough of this boring stuff enough talking about the melting snow and themes like joy and nostalgia and the return to truth and justice uh, enough of this well, boring stuff right i'm being sarcastic <laughs> on to the battle which is by far the most extended thing, obviously, in yes. uh, in this. That's where all the attention went. Um, it was really the re- the resurrection is a footnote in the battle, just like the just like the undragoning and Don Shredder is a footnote in the Sea Serpent battle. Uh, what did you guys think about the incubuses um, at the beginning? Obviously, obviously you have the grit. They're the gri- so weird looking. Obviously, you have the griffins flying in initially. <laughs> which is in the, in the theatrical cut, what's added here is the witch is like, ooh, you've got an air battle. I can, I'll, I'll match you. And she sends in flying creatures of her own and they're incubuses. And you get an incubus, and you get an incubus, and yes. you get and the an incubus. The incubuses start, uh, for those that haven't seen it, the incubuses start attacking the griffins, and one of them is a suicidal incubus that uh, uh, pulls, yeah, p- pulls a griffin down, and they both crash and die. Oh yeah, it, it, yeah. The main problem is the visual effects yes. do not hold up. That's no. why I struggle. Like, I don't really want to. I struggle on whether I would show this to someone like for the first time. You know, yeah. because absolutely it not takes me out of it. It takes me out of the experience. And like some of the shots, one of the shots looks like it's like like half the resolution, even like this one can a big camera pan shot with the flames oh, yeah. in between the two armies. It uh-huh. looks like it doesn't even look like it's it's like it switches to a standard deaf movie all of a sudden. Yeah. And it just really it just takes me out. Especially because, again, they cared so much about the battle, and a lot of the visual effects in the battle <laughs> were some of the best visual effects. You know, it's the best centaurs anyone's ever done. Absolutely. Maybe still. S- still to this day, absolutely. Even the one in, like, the fifth Harry Potter movie, they had a few centaurs. They were not very good. The, the Narnia centaurs, by far the best centaurs ever done yeah. on screen. Um, not that there's, you know, a long list to draw from, but... yeah. But hey, still the best. That's a pretty, it's a pretty nice feather <laughs> to have in Narnia's cap. Yeah, um, I think we all agree that the, I think the like the character design that they did on the Narnia films, as far as like coming up with the centaurs and things like that, like they did a really good job. Side note, I, anyway. I, I think I think the 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 execution of making it all feel real was very well done, at least. Yeah, it definitely should have won the uh, Oscar for visual effects. But God. what did win that year? Was it Iron Man? King Kong, which has not held up at all. No, King Kong is not <laughs> aged as well. Uh, but there's some more uh, potentially trippy visual effects. There's a sequence, obviously, in the theatrical cut. There's a, one of the more memorable parts of the battle, I guess, is where the Phoenix comes in and tries to, and tries to make that draw that fire barrier between the two armies. 
Uh, I'm not quite sure what they're supposed to accomplish long term. Anyway, um, here that still happens, um, but now the, it's a more complicated scene where the uh, you know Peter sees you know Edmund signals the Phoenix to come. The Phoenix starts flying in. And there's an there's the dwarf starts shooting arrows at it. They're, they're, oh no, it's gonna set the the ground to fire. And um, then as the incubuses start uh, flying towards it, and Peter goes, oh no, it's gonna attack the phoenix. And he picks up a spear. Yeah. Boom! Bullseye knocks it out of the sky. So and then the phoenix, you know, does the theatrical cut continues, and the phoenix sets fire to the ground. So it's just it's a more drawn out, complicated sequence of having the phoenix come in there. added like a little more I don't know if suspense is the word but you know because it the phoenix doesn't immediately come out and just do its thing like there's you know needing to protect it and like actually let it get to its destination um, the thought I thought was more interesting was the fact that they added in some little scenes of burning burning men um, which oh, yeah. <laughs> were just too violent for a PG film that's right. A- after the phoenix sets fire, uh, you actually see some of the. Which, when you watch the theatrical cut, it is kind of like, okay, what did that accomplish? The phoenix uh, setting, uh, uh, separating the two armies. It just delayed the inevitable. But actually, in this extended cut, you do see a lot of the witch's army is getting burned, and that was cut for uh, to, to get a PG rating. Um, but really, and what did you think of the whole drama of Peter protecting the phoenix? I didn't like it. For one, <laughs> pacing. I thought some a lot of the added stuff. It's kind of okay. My my first thought watching the battle again because I basically watched the battle scene again, and with the extended stuff, I'm I would notice because again, like Jim Van, I've seen the movie a million times, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, I know why that was cut, I know why that was cut, I know why that was cut. It's not not because it's bad, <laughs> but just because I felt like the pacing was better the first time, right. and I feel like there's a balance, and there's a, really a balance with each film. It's it, with Prince Caspian too, there was a balance of okay, how adultish do we make the skill set of these kids, right? Before we kind of lose the audience, and it was a little easier to sell on Prince Caspian, especially the book Prince Caspian. But in this, I I thought overall the film, the theatrical cut did a pretty good job. Like okay, even like Peter's fight with the witch, you're like, okay, this is kind of believable. I could kind of believe this kid is just kind of thrown in here. He's so emotional. Like even the way he's fighting, it's not like a really skilled fight. But here I'm like, holy cow! He's like pulling an Aomer here, just like yeah, it's like it's something like you know, seventy five yards. What a shot! Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I, holy I, I, cow! I, I think that's a great point about the, the theatrical cut. Generally, did a nice job of of selling the idea that the kids could fight in the battle and stuff. And here it's like, oh yeah, that's stretching it a bit far to say that Peter could make that shot with a spear. Yeah, after like two days of training or one day of training. <laughs> Come on, Ed, towards up like Aurea showed us, you know. Um, um, <laughs> Quick, Ed, throw the spear a hundred yards like Aurea showed us. <laughs> uh, I, I think probably that might be one of the reasons it was cut. I think another reason probably was that the witch neutralizes the phoenix threat quite quickly. Um, so I think t- t- to spend all that time, it is time a bit anticlimactic. All, all, yeah. all that time, the, the, the phoenix is coming and they're shooting it, and the incubus is attacking, <laughs> and now phoenix Peter is, is like, "Oh no, I'll save the day!" And then the witch is just it's like, like a Monty Python movie. <laughs> the <laughs> phoenix a- is coming! The phoenix is coming! A- after all that, the witch is just like, <laughs> "Bring out your witch!" You know, 
um, so oh my, my guess God. is that's one that's one of the reasons it, it was cut. Um, but yeah, it, it it's still a fun thing to see, I guess, even though it doesn't necessarily make the movie better. Um, uh, then there's a moment at, uh, later in the battle where this is, um, you know, uh, Peter says, "Edmund, get out of here! There's too many. Flee!" And Edmund is like, "You know, Run away. Peter's, <laughs> Peter's Run get away. out of here." <laughs> Uh, Edmund's like, hey, Peter's no king yet. That's all in the theatrical cut. And he's running towards uh, the witch uh, to break her wand. Now, they've, they've in the extended cut, they've added a beat here where the uh, Edmund comes across. He runs past Ginnabrick, who is about to uh, kill one of the Narnian dwarves. And he like, raises, his, raises his axe. And then Edmund comes to the rescue and swipes at Ginnabrick. And Ginnabrick falls over, and he gives him a shave. Um, <laughs> he actually, at, he, I guess he just knocked Ginnabrick over and managed to slice his beard. Yes, that's all he did. He managed to slice his beard at the same time. <laughs> Jim Fan, your reaction to Jim Fan... Uh, <laughs> to get a brick. No, Jim uh, Fan does. Jim Fan does not need a shave. Um, no, I do not. Thank you very much. Your reaction to Ginnabrick getting a much needed shave? Um, I saw it as I like. I don't think it added to anything. It was kind of like whatever. I think the point of why it was, it was there, kind of like whatever. Yeah, I think the point why it was there it was because you see throughout the film that. Ginnabrick is really, really not nice to Edmund, and he is always pushing him around and threatening him and just whatever. Like, he's very much out for Edmund. And then this is where Edmund gets his moment to, like, rise above and little payback. I think that's why it was conceived, but obviously, like, in execution, they probably filmed it, and then they watched it back, and they're like, eh. It doesn't really add anything, so... It, it, it might also... I think when you see Ginnabrick later, he's about to kill Edmund uh, later. Yeah, and Susan's like, not today, Satan! He seems... Uh, <laughs> he, but in that scene, he seems to be limp, He seems to be limping, and maybe this explains wh- why he's limping there, but really... Yeah, really he in. got pushed off a cliff. I, I feel like if if Jim Fan were to do, like, a review, and like they, they take a clip of the review for the extended edition and put it on the poster, you know, it was kind of like... Whatever. <laughs> yep. There no, you I, go. I agree with Jim Fan because it was like it I, was I just, got some dishes done while watching it. it. It was kind of like here's a moment of suspense, and then here's a little bit of humor. Especially just the look on his face when he kind of lands is kind of this really ironic look. Yeah, it's supposed to be funny, especially because he cuts off his beard, right? So you so you think him getting his beard cut off, which happens in slow motion. You see the yes. beard like flying <laughs> past the camera, motion. just in case you missed it. Um, so oh you think gosh. that's supposed to be funny? Yes. I think just it like was how him getting shot there. by Susan is supposed to be funny, you know. That's Edmund. not supposed to be funny. <laughs> no, no, I don't buy that. That was unintentionally funny. Um, no, I think it was supposed to be funny. You get you you're saying in the editing room. They're watching. Uh, all right, let's put this together, and here it is. It is like they didn't laugh at that. I think K- Karen Shaw has kind of a you know an unusual voice. Um, I think. Uh, <laughs> I think it was an after. Okay, well, we talked about that in, on the commentary and other places. Um, this, I did not think it was funny. I was just well, uh, very no, no, confused. No, 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 no. It wasn't funny, but I think it was conceived to be somewhat amusing. I didn't know what to do with it. I, I didn't know. What, I, no, I did not know what was intended. That's Puddle's review. I didn't know what to do with it. I, I didn't know it. What was intended? I was just like, 
why? I mean, is it like Andrew Adamson has had to show so much restraint throughout the battle to get a PG rating? And he's just like, darn it, I want to cut something. Oh, get a Rick's got a beard. Great. Let's something. I want to cut something. I want to shoot something. <laughs> I don't know what. I'm, I'm so tired of making a PG battle scene. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, I think they do what they wanted to show the kids doing more stuff, you know, and there's this constant tug of war with how much do we show the kids doing kind of like how I think the reason they cut down the training sequence is because it's kind of cute in the theatrical cut when Lucy you know throws the dagger but then in the extended cut where you pull back and it's like a hundred yards and she's apparently throwing a dagger over a hundred yards and bullseyeing it 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 doesn't it seems weirder Mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of the same right they're just trying to show the kids doing more stuff and being involved and yeah you know and that is the last edition that we see. Um, that's the note we go out on as far as the extended, the extended cut yeah, edition. because we didn't get the dancing scene. And that's where I turned the movie off. No, I'm just kidding. I did watch it. <laughs> I would have rather they put the dancing scene in there and just cut all the extra battle stuff. Because yeah. we saw in the, tra- in the trailer, there is a scene where Peter is dancing um, at Care Purvel. There's obviously some kind of big celebration, which is mentioned in the book, too. Um, and they didn't put it back because they didn't they didn't, weren't able to finish all the visual effects. There's a lot of creatures with green tights on and such in that in that scene. I thought it was Susan. Um, yeah, dancing. I I would it's Peter that we see um oh. in the trailer. But I would have loved to have seen yeah just in general just like I wanted to see more restoring of the statues. I wanted let's see more joy, more yes, excitement. magic and joy are not allowed in Narnia anymore. No, it's no. only battles, blood and gore. Exactly, and people's <laughs> beards getting cut off. Um, and shiny swords, despite it being halfway through the battle. It is a PG movie. Yes. Now, my, my sense is that this is not Andrew Adamson's director's cut or anything, no. and that's, that's one of the reasons. It was just, it was this thing that the studio kind of demanded because, well, Lord of the Rings got an extended cut and made a lot of money. I go, Let's try to squeeze one out there. And I guess this one didn't go over very well. It didn't sell very well because it immediately it went into the Disney vault like immediately and never came out and has faded into uh, obscurity. Which yeah. is sad because the, the uh, documentary on C.S. Lewis is one of the most creatively done. It's so good. Well done. It's better than the extended edition of the movie. I've seen the, the documentary on C.S. Lewis way more than I've watched the extended edition. Yep, same. Uh, on disc three of this four-disc edition, there's a documentary called Dreamer of Narnia, or C.S. Lewis' Dreamer of Narnia, that's really creatively done, where it kind of takes uh, all the Narnia books, and it tells the story of C.S. Lewis's life, you know, and kind of uses the themes of the Narnia books to explore uh, things that happened in his life in a way that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty creative, and, and the way they use Pauline Bain's illustrations is fun as well. Um, so yeah, super fun. Uh, that alone, if you've not, if you don't have the extended cut and you love the Chronicles of Narnia, that documentary alone on disc three makes it worth it. It does. So I think, I think we've already talked about some of the additions we would have uh, kind of uh, preferred to see. Um, I, one quick question I want to leave with is, so I guess we've kind of answered this, but um, for the comment section too. But okay, let's say let's take the whole the fact that the extended cut never got a Blu-ray. Let's just ignore that completely. You've got two DVDs in front of you. One's the and let's say you, no, no digital copies, none of that. For some reason, you can only watch a DVD. You've got two DVDs in front of you. One is a theatrical cut. The other is the extended cut. And you've got a friend that has never seen either one. Which one do you show them, Jim? Fan, what do you say? Theatrical, obviously. Okay, you you seem uncertain. Are you sure about that? No, not at all. <laughs> no, no, for sure. Theatrical is like we talked about. Like, is the extended edition Andrew Adamson's director's cut? No, I think the no, theatrical no. version is his cut. I think he got what he wanted out of it, and I think as far as a film, it works. I don't think it needed 
the other stuff and other stuff and, wasn't done to the same quality as the theatrical cut so that makes it yeah, really easy for me th- there's that little you can watch that little introduction from him on the extended cut and really all he says is uh you're gonna, you're gonna see more of the world of narnia more of the action you're, oh, you're gonna see more of it he doesn't say anything like this is my a new v- legitimate cut of the movie or anything like that or the, mo- the vision i wanted or anything like that uh really in uh yeah, which 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 disc do you put in for your friend? I was thinking about this because my nephew read The Lion That Went to the Wardrobe for the first time recently, and I was thinking which I should show him first. I would show my nephew, who's seven years old, the extended cut because it has just more moments that I think are very important to the book, like an extended scene of Edmund walking through the statues. That's what I would show him because he's not going to be pulled out of a movie by shoddy uh cgi in the last few minutes but i think that if i were showing it to uh, anyone probably over the age of 12 i would just show them the theatrical cut i think for me as a fan there's now now of course i'm always going to put in the blu-ray i'm always going to put in the best quality i can but if that wasn't an issue probably just for me as a fan that i've seen the movie a bajillion times maybe i would put in the extended cut just if I'm going to watch the movie, just for fun, you know, I know why those new, those distracting shots are there, whatever, just for something different. But yeah, if, if whatever, if you're going to show someone the movie for the first time, there's no question it should be the theatrical cut. That's the movie, and then they kind of force this one out. And also, just think like we're one of the few people who even have the extended cut. A lot of people don't even have it, so it's kind of a moot point. Yeah, you just get, you got to go on eBay and get it. Didn't get a digital release. Didn't get a. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Blu-ray or anything like that. Maybe it'll be on Disney Plus someday, or maybe, maybe. it'll get a, a, or maybe it'll get a UHD 4K disc release. Who knows? <laughs> Probably not. Probably okay, not. maybe it'll be on vinyl. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's our glowing review for the extended cut. All righty. You have been listening to Talking Beasts, the Narnia podcast from NarniaWeb.com. We post new episodes on the seventh and seventeenth. So ble- please be sure to subscribe and give us five stars on iTunes. Uh, You can post a comment below or in the Talking Beast Facebook group and visit patreon.com slash narniaweb to support this podcast and get exclusive content, including more episodes. You can also email us at podcast at narniaweb.com, glumpuddle at narniaweb.com, jimfan15 at narniaweb.com, or rillian at narniaweb.com. Special thanks to AJ Aiken, assistant editor, Thanks for listening further up and further in. Mm -hmm.